0: Dateline, 28th of July 2013.
1: Well, good day, folks and welcome to the Australia Desk for episode 259er. And uh, Grant, I think we're going to get this one edited properly this week. Uh, I think folks may not realise we had a little few mishaps last week and it's a wonder we got a segment out at all.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, we recorded it. I said I'd do an edit. I hacked it around. The uh, game plan was that you were going to do a little bit of bridging and um, your masterwork to uh, homogenise it, pasteurise it and sterilise it. And that didn't get done.
1: It didn't get done. No, actually, in fact, uh, it didn't get done because my son tried to break his ankle at basketball training right before edit time, rather inconveniently, and we spent edit night in the hospital, so there you go. Well, anything anything to get out of editing, Grant, but anyway, here we are back this week. And I'm Yuck. pleased to report, actually, that uh, he doesn't have a broken ankle, so all is good. I think he had homework due, that's what I'm tipping.
0: <laughs> he had homework, you
1: had editing. Ah, oh, yeah, look, you know, strap him up. <laughs> mm, bloody teenagers. Anyway, this uh, this is an interesting article this week, Grant. Speaking of homework, I guess that's similar to research. And uh, i tell you what, uh, we mentioned last week that uh, some uh, university students here were uh, doing some interesting things with scramjets. Well, uh, this week, the Swinburne University of Technology, which is another uh, great Melbourne uh, university, uh, well, they've been doing some interesting uh, research studies uh, with systems that will track pilots' eyes in a study of cockpit information overload. Interesting stuff.
0: Yeah, pretty full on, mate. They're going to be uh, focusing on how pilots gather and process information from flight instrument displays, not just electronic flight instrument systems like the MFDs and the PFDs and so on, but uh, just generally how uh, the eyes move around. And I think it's probably good that they're doing it in simulators and in cockpits and all that, not while the pilots are driving cars on the road, because if they're anything like me, to be like, yeah, road, yeah, car, mm, stop sign, oh, hot girl, ah, back to the stop sign. <laughs> yeah, that would be bad.
1: Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, Swinburne's <laughs> uh, actually uh, got a, a lot of uh, runs on the board here when it comes to aviation because they actually run a a number of aviation programs, including some uh, airline training programs, and they also uh, are quite renowned uh, for doing uh, human Mm -hmm. factors. uh, And in fact, as
0: I mentioned that I have right here, Aviation Management, Human Factors and Safety, postgraduate from Swinburne, and I have been looking at that going, really, one of these days when my day job isn't killing me and I'm not buried in PCDU, I might even consider doing that. (laughs) You're always buried in PCDU, mate. Yeah, and the day job, but uh, hey, you know, look, there are some benefits to the day job. I got to go flying balloons on the weekend. Weekend, and that would have been interesting. It would be very interesting, actually, to find out how the uh, interaction with technology and eye tracking and all that goes in a very old style form of aviation. Well,
1: it's very old fashioned, Grant, but uh, what they're looking at here, of course, is uh, the way pilots interact. According to this article here in the Australian.com.au, at least, uh, the way pilots react with new technology has been a controversial issue in recent years, and uh, questions have been raised about reliance on automatic systems and whether they suffer from information overload in emergencies. Now, I guess when yep. uh, they drop lines like that, Grant, they'd be thinking of the Air France crash. And, uh, you know, actually on a a few uh, of the uh, airline pilot style podcasts that I've been listening to, uh, there has been some talk about that on a couple of them. Uh, You know, is there an over-reliance on uh, on technology and all that sort of stuff? Uh, I don't really know. I'm not qualified to answer that question. So I don't think I'll leave an opinion, but it it certainly has been in the
0: news. Well, I know what it's like when I'm flying the simulator and I'm getting low and slow on the the approach and there's just things blinking and buzzing and flashing and so much stuff on all the screens and you've got to really know them. You've really got to know your systems and procedures. So, So, I mean, that's what we expect from anyone in the airlines is to really know what they're doing. And my hat's off to them. There's a lot of information comes through those systems. So if this study can help improve that, that's got to be a good thing.
1: Absolutely, and I guess we'll keep an eye on that one, Grant.
0: Like oh, blink and you miss it. Oh, there
1: you go. Let's move on to our second story here and our good friends at Tiger Air. We can't call them Tiger Airways anymore, apparently. But they're, they're launching their uh, multi-crew pilot licence program in conjunction with CAE Oxford, a uh, very uh, well-known training uh, organisation around the world, and uh, they have a uh, quite a uh, presence here in Australia. In fact, uh, down at Morabin Airport, they have uh, quite a large training academy, uh, Morabin, of course, being about halfway between where I live and where Grant lives.
0: Roughly, yeah. That's pretty much right on, actually. (laughs) It's about 20 minutes for both of us to get there in most traffic conditions. But it's going to involve Oxford Aviation in Melbourne and Singapore. They're going to have some cadet pilots coming through, which is, of course, the big new trend for uh, airlines. Well, not that new because it's been done before in the past. But have cadets come through. You train them your way. You bring them up through the ranks. And uh, in this case, they're also adding the MPL, which is the multi-crew pilot license. Now, we've been looking at this for a few years, and... And Australia is doing a bit to um, introduce these and kind of leading the way somewhat in the MPL world, either directly for Australian pilots or for Asian pilots. The MPL is quite interesting in that it trains you for the CRM environment of a cockpit in a modern airliner. And you can wind up with a pilot's license and you've never really gone through and learned to fly to full level a Cessna or a Twin or things like that. You've done some training in them, but you've also done a heck of a lot of training in a simulator. So you come out with an MPL, but you've never really had a PPL in the process.
1: I'm sure this will be, uh, you know, speaking of controversial programs, <laughs> I think this will be amongst uh, many, uh, you know, more seasoned airline pilots. Now, you know, we, we sort of mix with a lot of them uh, here in the in the course of our activities, uh, you know, with the podcast. And I find that, you know, actually a lot of it's quite, I reckon it's split 50-50. Some think it's going to be disastrous and some are you know, a little bit... Um, perhaps open-minded to it. Yeah, It's interesting to see how this will go. Tiger Airways is going to push ahead with that uh, and uh, doing it uh, in conjunction with Oxford. The, you know, their facilities there, at least here in Melbourne, are excellent. And uh, when you talk about Cessna 172s, their fleet down there, they've got, a, I reckon, probably I don't know, six to 10 aircraft, somewhere like that, all glass cockpit Cessna 172s and very, very nice aircraft. And uh, some <laughs> of the instructors down there are some of the uh, the better ones you'll find around the place, that's for sure. It's interesting here, Grant, uh, looking at this article here that talks about it in Australian Aviation com.au. Uh, it looks like uh, in support of the program uh, they'll also be offering uh, other regional programs that they'd like to expand this and they'll be opening an avonisio ground training location at their new training center over there in singapore so it's uh, certainly something that they're going to push ahead with and uh, as we know with all of these sorts of things uh, once one airline starts it you can bet that uh, plenty more will follow in their footsteps now let's move across the pacific and talk about our friends at
0: fiji airways i guess we can call
1: them our friends Grant, i'm sure they're lovely people and they i'm sure they love us
0: well we've been saying nice things about them ever since they change from being the flying fruit tingle, but uh, <laughs> Fiji Airways with its new livery and its new soon-to-be online Airbus A330 aircraft that they own, they're not leasing, has actually made a net profit and it. they're expecting to make a little bit of a loss. They've actually made a bit of a profit and they're all very happy over there.
1: Absolutely. In fact, their uh, gross revenue, I guess, has increased from uh, $678.3 million Fiji dollars up to 690.6 dollars 6 Fijian dollars and their passenger numbers have risen by almost 15,000. Now, uh, if you're over there in the states, you go for fifteen thousand. That's not much, but consider what a small airline Fiji Airways is. So that's a a fantastic result for them. And uh, I guess uh, you know rebranding and getting out there and doing some new marketing. And I I know with interest granted, they have been uh, marketing quite aggressively on a lot of the uh, the travel you know travel Mm -hmm. websites around the place. So uh, good on them, and uh, you know more power to them. Of course, they're still forty six percent owned by uh, Qantas, and I'm sure that will still gall some of them. But uh, you know we'll see what happens with that
0: in the future. Indeed, they're uh, doing quite well. They've got some very discounted fares, and they're also taking advantage of the fact that for a lot of Australians, Fiji has become the new Bali. A lot of folks have been to Bali so often. Being to Thailand, eh, I want to go somewhere else. And from the east coast of Australia, Fiji's a little closer to get to.
1: Now, just a couple of quick ones before we finish up here. We've been talking a lot about C-130s. And by the way, Vanderhoof, let's talk proportionately. Yes, I've only had one C-130 flight, but you know, when you consider that our Air Force only has 12 of them these days, and you know, the US Air Force has about, I don't know, a million of them or something. I think proportionately speaking, I'm probably ahead of you, just saying. Anyway.
0: that's just way be. to bring so, in statistics and math.
1: Take that, Vanderhoof. Anyway, speaking of uh, small fleets, we <laughs> the old C-130H aircraft that were retired from the Royal Australian Air Force at the end of last year. We've been talking about these for a while. Uh, the government uh, here donated four airframes to Indonesia, and uh, the news comes this week. Indonesia are going to buy a further five airframes, so... There we go. I guess they'll have nine C-130H aircraft over there in uh, Indonesia, When uh, I think they're only running C-130Es over there, so it'll be a bit of an upgrade for those guys. Okay, and moving on to our last uh, article here that we just want to mention, uh, the Aviation Careers Expo uh, for our Australian listeners or anybody in the region who's uh, looking at a, uh, you know, perhaps going into a career in aviation, uh, perhaps looking at becoming a flight attendant or perhaps becoming a uh, licensed aircraft maintenance engineer, Aviation Australia up there at Brisbane Airport have a fantastic facility, and uh, every year they hold their aviation Careers Expo and uh, they've uh, been promoting that recently. That will be up at their Brisbane airport facility on August the 24th so uh, I would encourage any of our Australian listeners, particularly our, our younger listeners, you could uh, do worse than uh, heading up there and you can find out uh, much more information about that at their website aviationaustralia.aero Grant. Uh, we uh, did some work with those guys last year and uh, boy they, they really uh, you know have some great facilities and uh, really do a
0: great job. Certainly do mate and I'm looking forward to uh, hearing what's happening with this year's event and and, uh, see if we can't get anyone from the team to pop along.
1: Well, that's everything we have for you on this week's Australia Desk. I tell you what, Grant, uh, I'm hoping to return to ground school. You know, Grant, I am that close to getting my B.F.R. now, just that close. Like, you know, all I've got to do is remember how to fly now.
0: Well, that one little detail. You've got all the laws though, so <laughs> yeah, you, know, you, you you know all the rules, and if you know all the rules, you're safe. You can just jump in a plane and fly. You don't have to have that one of that practical stuff, because after all, we're trying to legislate safety and professionalism and all that, aren't we? Isn't that the whole purpose of what they're trying to do? Yeah, I, I, something
1: like that. Well, maybe. I should put in for one of those MPL jobs at Tiger. I'm sure they'd take me after all those nice things I've said about them over the years.
0: That could be one way to get your refund.
1: (laughs) It could be indeed.
0: Uh, Well, dreaming on until next week. I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm still Grant McCarran. Cheers, folks.